Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Thake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So welcome to episode 20 of the Office 365 Dev Pod Show. Uh, we recorded this live on October the 14th. Uh, with a few of the guys from the Open Tech organization. But uh, before we jump into the show, I wanted to just kind of cover off some things that have been happening in the blogosphere. So the first one that uh, we discovered this week was Scott Hillier, who's been working with us and recording in the studio various things around Office 365 development. And he's posted an article on IT Unity, which is a great community site, on um, how you can understand how to call the Office 365 API discovery service and, and, and what it means and, and why you would want to use it and some kind of useful tips about calling it from Fiddler and the, the hops and skips you do. So it's definitely worth a read. Um, in, in actual fact, on that note, next week on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we actually have some live events where we'll be doing nearly, uh, in total, it's 11 hours of training. We're doing eight hours on the Thursday where we'll walk through kind of the Office 365 API, we talk about the authentication, we talk about calling calendar contacts mail, um, and we talk about accessing files and users and groups and accessing data from SharePoint. So that's all on MicrosoftVirtualAcademy.com. If you check out that link, you'll be able to um, kind of register for that event next week. So that's that's something if you are interested in these new APIs, that's happening next week. Um, actually, today I'm recording this kind of wrap-up on the 15th, so the day before it gets released. We also did a live uh, session yesterday and today. Yesterday we did two hours about uh, first setting up your environment if you're working with Office 365. And then the second hour was a deep dive into setting up your environment if you're working with SharePoint on-premises and want to get the app model working. So that those live events happened. And then t uh, today actually was full eight hours of real deep dive, kind of level three, 400 stuff on um, building apps for uh, Outlook, PowerPoint, Excel, and Word coming at an hour each on those and then we went deep on the authentication of SharePoint and then you know talked a bit more about provider hosted apps and covered off application lifecycle management so those are all live so you may have missed the live but they will be on demand very very shortly so definitely worth checking out all that training at dev.office.com slash training um, and then another link we found was um, by Elio Struth um, who I mistakenly announced well I assumed was an MVP, but actually he, he isn't. But he's doing a very, very good job of blogging just recently, which always kind of eventually might lead to um, being being at least nominated and maybe awarded, uh, much like a lot of the MVPs can attest to that. And he just kind of wrote, wrote up a great article um, around the Office uh, Rich Client. And, and when you run an Office app, being able to work out based on the uh, coercion type um, in, the, in the base class of whether you're in Word, Excel... PowerPoint or project and then he's got some nice things that he shows like you know the CSS can change depending on what app you're running so kind of really useful there to be able to understand you know have one app that runs in all those different office clients but have some kind of context switching there so that's a great article by Elio and then Matthias Ning who we had on the show very recently about the uh, SPCAF app that's available for three you can check it out uh, spcaf.com or go to dev.office.com slash transform he started a series talking about kind of getting an idea about the SharePoint health of your, your SharePoint farm 
and he's got three articles already, one about kind of auditing the farm, um, one about extracting all the customizations from your farm, and then obviously auditing those customizations as well. It's a really good article if you're thinking about getting the idea about where you are in your farm and kind of understanding what kind of customizations are in there, definitely go and read Matthias's blog articles on that. Um, Wardek, who we had on the show last week, who talked about the Office Graph and some of the apps that he's released, he's just recently did a blog post where he's talked about all the apps that he's shipped to the, the Office Store and to the Windows Phone Store, um, which are both SharePoint apps and Office apps. So definitely something to worth checking out there um, if you are interested in kind of Delve and the Office Graph in general, Wardek's been doing a lot of good work there in that side of it and then uh, another one who's been doing a lot with search for a long time is um, Mikhail Svensson and he's actually posted uh, creating a Delve clone using a content search web part so essentially changing the way that the um, the content search web part works by kind of overriding some of the calls it makes um, to get back the same data as Delve and he's got a nice YouTube video demoing it as well so Again, and actually he calls out kind of Richard Desiriga and Elio and Waldeck who have also been kind of working quite closely with the Office Graph that's in preview right now. And then lastly, um, this one comes up a lot, um, and I didn't definitely pronounce this guy's name wrong, but it's Kazvan Izel um, from Point42. He's a SharePoint dev. I've followed him for a long time, um, back from when he was kind of developing in 2007 um, platform. But what he's got is four steps to smarter app part resizing. And so basically he's got some code snippets that will, you know, uh, take out the no horizontal scrolling. It'll take out the, the fact that it resizes your app based on where the app part's pasted. Um, and it'll kind of tweak how it works inside the body container. And also some um, custom stuff around iframes. So definitely worth checking that out if you're wanting to do a little bit more with the app parts and kind of feel a bit constrained about bit having to do fixed height and width when you add them to SharePoint pages. So um, with that, we'll jump straight in. This is something that I've not traditionally done too much with with, uh, with OpenXML SDK. So it was great to have like the experts on the call to talk about it and, and talk about some of the use cases when you might use the OpenXML SDK and some background on OpenXML. So a big thanks to the guys, um, Doug Mayhew, Eric White and Chris Ray who kind of joined me in this show and um, I hope you enjoy it and please engage with us on the Yammer groups, www.yammer.com slash IT Pro Network. If you go in there, there's some dev groups in there. There's one specifically for the podcast which we link from the show notes. Um, if you want me to go and like corner an engineer about a particular topic area or to discuss a particular kind of pain point, definitely kind of post them in there and get your ideas. I have a I have a long list, but I'm happy to reprioritize if something you feel is uh, is more urgent. So enjoy the show, and um, we'll see you next week. Okay, so I'm here in Building Nine today with a bunch of guys from the Open Tech team. Uh, I wanted to talk to them about the Open XML. Uh, that was open open sourced on GitHub just recently, and get a bit of an idea of, of what's going on there. It's a space I have no clue about today, so I'm going to be pretty silent and just asking a lot of open-ended questions here, and let these guys kind of sell sell you on their their wares of OpenXML. But before we jump in, just get everyone to introduce themselves. So, Doug, do you want a quick intro about who you are, how long you've been in Microsoft for, and, and what you're working on now, and what your representation with OpenXML is? You bet. Um, so I'm Doug Mayhew, and uh, let's see, I've been at Microsoft nine years, and I spent 
most of that time, the first six or seven years, on OpenXML, various aspects of it, um, as a technical evangelist for OpenXML, and then I moved over to Office, and there's an Office standards team around OpenXML, um, so I was involved there for a few years, and then came to MS OpenTech here uh, two and a half, three years ago. And MS OpenTech, what we are, for those who don't know, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Microsoft um, that works with open source. Our, our kind of one-liner mission statement is uh, we advance Microsoft's investments in open source, open standards, and interoperability. And what that means in practical terms is uh, we build bridges between Microsoft and non-Microsoft technologies. We help certain non-Microsoft technologies work well on our platforms, like all the Docker and virtualization stuff that our team's working on these days. And we also help Microsoft product teams open source things like the OpenXML SDK that we're here to talk about today. So that, that's kind of how MS OpenTech fits with the OpenXML SDK. Cool. And uh, we've got Eric on a link call uh, remotely. So do you want to just introduce yourself, Eric? Sure. I'm Eric White, and I've been working on OpenXML since prior to Office 2007's release, and I worked a bit on the standardization process towards the end of the process, and uh, I'm also the facilitator at OpenXML.org, and we have active forums, and we regularly post new content, and most recently, most recently, I'm one of the maintainers of the OpenXML SDK. I get into some of the technical nitty-gritty bits of the OpenXML SDK. You're too humble, Eric. One of the maintainers. Eric does 99% of the work, and a few of us help out. Yeah, I'm just looking at the contributors and uh, <laughs> what's happening in GitHub. I can, I can definitely say there that there's a little bit of a bias towards Eric's contributions. All this transparency these days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Chris, why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, I'm Chris Ray. I'm not a glamorous uh, MS OpenTech person, actually. I'm just a normal uh, office product person. Uh, so I've been at Microsoft for eight years. I started work on Excel, and I got drafted into some of the file format work we did during standardization of OpenXML. And from there, uh, that was so much fun that I'm now doing uh, OpenXML stuff all, uh, you know, full time. So I sit on the standards body that own the OpenXML standard, and I work with them to make changes to the file format. Um, so I, you know, try to make sure that things go all right for us whenever the file format changes, along with all the other people who are on that committee. Right. So just kind of understanding there, with, you know, what OpenXML is and the format. Like, why did it? Why did it come about, and what's Microsoft's involvement in? Who else is involved there, I guess? I think the best person in the world to talk about this is Doug. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Probably nothing else. But. <laughs> yeah. In Australia, we call it a handball. <laughs> so let's see. OpenXML, um, the binary formats in Office were around for many, many years. You know, Doc, XLS, PPT. Yeah. And then um, here, um, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, roughly, um, the Office team started looking at how to make the file format more accessible for developers, easier to read and write, more open, using more modern technologies like XML and XML and zip compression, that combination. There are a bunch of formats that use that, um, including the OpenXML format, the ODF format, um, various things like the CSPAC package that you have um, when you deploy to Azure. Um, that's the same kind of thing um, based on a thing called the Open Packaging Convention that's a way of putting together a bunch of XML parts in a zip package. 
Um, so that's kind of the technical underpinnings. And then uh, what they did is they they came up, um, it was in the Office 2007 releases when this all came out, and um, they, they designed a DOCX format that replaced the DOC format, an XLSX format to replace XLS and PPTX for PowerPoint presentations. And that's what's documented in this massive standard that Chris alluded to that he and others are maintaining these days. And, uh, and then that went through an ISO standardization process and in 2008 became, um, what is it, IS29500, a uh, number we all know well. And so now it's an ISO standard. And, and basically the, the benefit to the community of it being an ISO standard is that it's maintained by ISO. Um, so if Microsoft just went away, um, we have no plans to go away, but if we did, um, it would still be an ISO standard maintained by an ISO technical committee. Right. And, and it also means um, that people don't have to worry that Microsoft's going to change it in certain ways without telling people or, you know, you can, you can build on OpenXML and have confidence that you know exactly how it works. It's thoroughly documented. And if OpenXML changes two years from now, that will be documented in the standard that Chris and others are working on. And there's, there's a bunch of other companies and other countries involved in that work. What kind of, I mean, obviously Google are at the table with this, but who else is involved in that kind of that ISO discussion? That's an interesting question. It's mostly, there are a lot of people who are in, have fingers in lots of file format pies. So, for example, you kind of um, DSDL and other kind of schema description languages all end up in the same bucket as this format. Right. And so a lot of the people are kind of career standardization people in many ways, and okay. not so much like c competitors or other companies. There were many more involved at the beginning while they were all trying to implement it. Yeah. And now it's a little bit more, it's in maintenance mode, like it's it's done, it's standardized, we're bug fixing. And so it's mostly us and a bunch of independent people. We, we had, um, Apple was very involved, Philip Mansfield of Apple was involved in the original standardization process right. and the ECMA committee that put it together. And they were working on an implementation at that time for the brand new iPhone that kind of came out um, while that standards process was going on in 2007. Um, but but as Chris says, now it's more um, partners adding value in various ways. And Chris, you mentioned they're all in the same bucket. That bucket's name, of course, is SC34, a subcommittee of JTC1, which is the ISO IEC group that handles all these technical standards. So that group of guys, SC34, um, Chris and his buddies go drinking all around the world every three months and uh, work on the standard. Uh, did, did I characterize that right? That, that one in Mason's logistic while you traveling everywhere. I, I didn't want to get into the nitty-gritty of committee numbers because it, it's 4.30 in the morning for Eric, so he's going to fall asleep. <laughs> okay. So maybe we should wake Eric up and talk about the OpenXML SDK then. And so, yeah, so the, the link between OpenXML and the SDK, I mean, what's that link? Is that, Eric, is that something you could talk about? Sure. The... Um, so OpenXML is the standard, and Microsoft wanted to make it easier for people to write .NET applications to deal with file formats. So Microsoft put together the OpenXML SDK several years ago. And one of the things that's important to tell people is what it is and what it isn't. And so what it enables people to do is read and write the standard directly. And there's kind of uh, three main scenarios that are interesting there. First and foremost is document generation, spreadsheet generation, and presentation generation. And we can talk about that in various ways. There's lots of things that people do. Some people are actually generating, you know, a hundred thousand documents a day in certain commercial applications where they're doing billing using OpenXML documents or something like that. Uh, and then 
What it isn't is it there are certain functionality around OpenXML that's a, difficult to implement and and actually is you know would be a massive amount of work to do directly from the document format and these are things such as reflowing the document or printing the document or doing conversions from one document format to another. So, for instance, from OpenXML to ODF or other document formats. So what the OpenXML SDK really shines at is document generation. It shines at, it shines at querying documents and extracting information from documents. And then there are certain things like transformations into something like HTML. And while that's a bit more difficult, it's actually doable using the OpenXML SDK along with some add-on tools. And I think, Eric, you've, you've published some uh, examples on OpenXMLdeveloper.org of exactly how to do that, right, for those who want to convert DocX to HTML and that sort of thing? That's right. We've got a pretty high-fidelity conversion from DocX to HTML right now. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. If you if you decide you want to do anything with uh, OpenXML and the SDK, then if you go to OpenXMLdeveloper.org, then Eric has probably already written it. Right. Yep. So there's, <laughs> a lot of so good there's, content. So there's certain scenarios that are, uh, you know, quite commonplace in enterprises, I guess, around that side of the house. Like, I can see um, in, in terms of the HTML converter, the document builder, um, and the, the presentation builder, what, what what's the benefit of that document builder that you, you that you um, that you build out? Like what where does that add value for these devs? Sure, I can talk to that. So one of the things that's you know baked into the nature of document formats are there's a lot of interrelationships between this markup. So you'll have a main document part, and that main document part will be pointing out to the comments part, and it will be pointing out to header parts and footer parts, and these header parts might then point to other image parts and so on and so forth. So you end up with this uh, kind of a network of connections there in uh, an OpenXML document. So the issue is when you're grabbing, for instance, paragraphs one through three of some particular document, you need to grab just the parts that are relevant for those paragraphs. You want to leave all the rest of that document as it is. So what Document Builder does is it takes care of that interrelationship, that interrelated markup, and it enables you to grab, you know, this part of this document and that part of that document and another part of another document and generate a valid OpenXML document with just the pieces that you want in it. So it's another document assembly technology that enables you to take any number and any parts of any number of OpenXML docx's and create a new docx from that. We've probably got, I mean, we've got a few thousand users of it right now, and it's an active community around that, and it's pretty stable and robust technology at this time. And so a scenario for like an ISV uh, who may be building for the store, would they be able to use this SDK to manipulate documents that may be sitting in someone's OneDrive for Business or OneDrive or SharePoint libraries? What's the what's kind of the connection to the rest of Office 365 development story and this open um, XML SDK? Sure. So absolutely. One of the really great scenarios around OpenXML is 
interacting with document libraries in a SharePoint uh, scenario or in any content management system. So you use the SharePoint APIs to get the documents out and put the documents back in. But once you've gotten the document out, you need to do things with that document. So that's where the OpenXML SDK comes in. And of course, it it plays happily, it plays nicely with all of these other technologies, so you can get a stream from a document in a SharePoint library and then open up that document using the OpenXML SDK using that stream, do things to it. Maybe you're querying it for certain content. Recently, I was involved in a project where we were going into documents and looking for standardized ways that the company wanted to refer to certain products and ways they didn't want to refer to products and to call out exceptions to that so that the people who were maintaining those documents would know that they had something in that document that wasn't per their corporate standards. So they could do this on a document library by going in and grabbing that stuff out, running this process, getting a report, and then as necessary, in certain cases, they would fix the document automatically and then push it right back into the SharePoint document library. Right, okay. And so but you're, when you're manipulating that document, you're basically converting that docx or pptx to an XML document in .NET, or you mentioned string. Like, What format are you manipulating it with? The OpenXML SDK has a an object model that's really robust it has an object it has classes that deal with opening up the various parts of the openxml document and then once you open up a part like the main document part inside of there you're going to see paragraphs and you're going to see runs and then you're going to see text elements and you'll see references to styles and there are dotnet classes defined for all of these concepts in the OpenXML SDK. So you can go in and without using an XML parser and using an XML technology, you can directly go in and either query the document for certain content or change the document using this strongly typed object model. And maybe for those who um, don't know the word part in this particular context, um, so the concept here is your docx document, uh, we'll just use that as an example, is really a zip package. Like you can rename a dot docx to doc zip and just double click on it and look around in it. And within that zip package, there's a whole bunch of different XML files essentially in there. And those are the parts Eric has alluded to. Oh, right. okay. And so one of those, for example, is the main body of your Word document. It's just called document.xml in there. And then um, there's also a part that is the metadata, you know, the author and, and what was last yeah. modified and all that. And uh, if you've got images in your document, each one of those images is a part that's just a JPEG or a PNG sitting in there. And so um, per the way the OpenXML SDK works, as Eric described, is, is you can kind of think in terms of those parts. And you go navigate that document hierarchy and get the parts that you want. And then within that part, there are these classes for the runs of text or whatever is in the right. part that so you're looking at. So it's strongly typed. It's, it's strongly typed. It, like, okay. like one of the things, I, I was, we were chatting about this uh, just before we started. And one of, one of the misconceptions that developers often have about the SDK is that 
they, they don't realize it's strongly typed like that. And so it's not a great way of saying, what are the all of the elements that are in this file? You're better using a generic XML parser for that. Yeah. But it's, it's much more strongly typed with what Office writes. To be able to kind of navigate through yeah, and exactly. iterate through the different collections so and it, stuff. It really is just, as Doug says, classes made for, for the structure of the XML of right. an Office document. So, I mean, I, I've worked a lot in the past when I, when I was back in Australia with like building out invoices and um, kind of like reports based on like business data and a lot of business systems and generating these documents that may eventually become PDFs at the end as a kind of a read-only view. So the OpenXML SDK is going to allow me to kind of generate that document layout, the format, and all the contents of it. Where would you, it, would the OpenXML SDK help with outputting it as a PDF, or would that be another service again? No, it's it read and, reads and writes the OpenXML format. I, I don't know if, Eric, in your um, work with OpenXML, do you have a favorite way to get things into PDF? Is that something you've tackled? <laughs> Absolutely, it's a, the you know the gold standard is Word Automation Services, yeah. Yeah. which is part of SharePoint, and you get ultra high conversion to PDF, and you can write this in such a way that you can do massive conversions of documents. There is an MSDN article that a buddy of mine wrote that shows how to use the OpenXML SDK to go into a document library, get out the set of documents, convert them to PDF, and then batch send them to a printer. So OpenXML is a great format for deciding that you're going to go in and you're going to put in a heading for the company and it's going to be styled this way and you're going to put a table for all the items that you're going to inform your customer about. You know, maybe it's all of their transactions on their bank statements or something like that. That's that's where OpenXML really shines. And then you use something else like Word Automation Services to convert that to PDF and then you can send those to printers or directly email them to the end user or so on. Yeah. Okay, and I think that's where the confusions lie with a lot of times where we, when we, the Royal We promoted Word Automation Services, people assumed that's what that was doing. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. the reality is it's the SDK that's doing all that document manipulation, and the automation service is kind of the end point of production. And one key difference that, we, that you know, we, we forget about here is that you don't need to own Microsoft Office to install the SDK. So, right. so you can install the SDK and run stuff through it without actually having a copy of Office. And so, like, you know. But once you need to, to use Office, you'll need to pay for Office, but right, everything right. else with the SDK, you can read and write Office files without Office. It, it was an interesting um, kind of landscape back before the SDK came out. Um, it was launched at TechEd in June of 2007, and before then, um, people who were doing OpenXML development on a server app were um, like automating Word on the server, which was right, a right. which was in violation of the license and yeah. also a total kludge. You had to do some very clever things to yeah, deal okay. with modal dialogues that would pop up and junk <laughs> like that. And there were people who were deep experts in how to do this set of hacks to make it work. And at Microsoft, we um, you know, well, I shouldn't I shouldn't speak broadly for everyone, but I know that there were customers we had that were doing that, and we kind of. Um, we kind of had to look the other way because, well, we couldn't say stop building that app you're building, right. and we didn't have a better way to offer them. And then now with the OpenXML SDK, it's real simple. Here's your tool, and you can build your high-performance server app that generates thousands of documents, as Eric described. Yeah, this yeah. is the right way to do all that. I, I used to work at a customer. I used to work for an investment bank, and I wrote some of that code, right? like writing <laughs> stuff through all three, just clicking OK on every dialog box that came up. <laughs> possibly go wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Format drives, <see>, OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
And um, I guess the other one was, so the Word document was the other one, but it isn't just for Word, it's for you know, PowerPoint and, and Excel as well, right? So I've seen in some of the notes around the kind of the, the different ML aspects of word processing ML and spreadsheet ML. Is that just the terminology depending on what type of document you're calling out to? Or? Yeah, that's, that's... Go ahead, Eric. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. That, it, uh, that you can... Word processing ML and spreadsheet ML and presentation ML are parts of the OpenXML standard. And there are other parts like drawing ML that you can use as a standard way to create drawing objects in your documents, <coughs> excuse me, in a you know, similar way both across uh, word processing ML and presentation ML, for instance. Yeah, sure. So if you put a, like, put a shape in a Word document yeah. or put a shape on a PowerPoint slide in Word or PowerPoint, it's creating a drawing ML element that defines right, right. that shape when you save it yeah. to disk. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it seems very similar to, like, when you're in .NET and you're using the XML document kind of classes and the little methods on that, I assume the syntax is very similar there. There was another interesting one that you had, which was the presentation builder. And as someone who's in marketing and building presentation decks for TechEd right now, this would be an awesome lifesaver here, which is that grabbing different slides from a different number of presentations and building your a, a brand new presentation deck out of that my God, give me that now. Um, we could just ultimate it and get rid of everybody in marketing. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> 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 oh, no. We, we have a dev versus marketing fight breaking out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, like, you know, the, the stock slide that's in every single deck that's going to be at Tech Ed, like, please yeah. don't make me open every single one of those documents mm -hmm. up. Let me put that in one document in the library and then let me, you know, inject it or replace it in every every document it's in another library or, or so forth. This is something some of our partners have, have really gone to town with that, being able to automate um, work around PowerPoint presentations. We had a um, partner very involved in the um, standardization process, PSC in Chicago, and um, those guys put together this cool app that um, they were monitoring um, listener data for radio stations as a part of what they or their customer did. Rather, they it was their customer, and they built this app for them. And this company that provides um, kind of marketing services to radio stations would generate a slick PowerPoint kind of in real time. Here's the PowerPoint summarizing wow, what's okay. been going on with um, various audiences and your shows over the last 24 hours and things yeah. like that. And, and all done with OpenXML, just here, here's your slick PowerPoint. Yeah. Nobody had to look at any numbers and type them into anything. It's, it's, it's interesting. I've been here now just over six months, and it's an amazing amount of times where management kind of level people want to see a slide deck that kind of is an overview of an event or an overview of a launch that you're doing. And, you know, but we're, we're working all day in lists mm -hmm. in Excel. We're working all day in Word documents or OneNote. Be able to kind of like you know, generate me a PowerPoint deck from these three things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be an absolute lifesaver. The SDK is good for that. Maybe we should um, kind of transition to looking forward about where things are going. And Eric, I thought maybe a fun thing you could tell us a bit about when we first open sourced the SDK back in uh, June of this year. Um, it, it was kind of fascinating. One of the first people to get involved was helping out with um, build scripts for using it on mono on wow. other platforms, which is okay. kind of a cool scenario. You want to tell us about that, Eric? Sure. It, I think there's two areas of focus that we're really looking to go towards. And broadly speaking, one is taking the OpenXML SDK to different platforms, primarily using mono, but also to Windows Phone, also to C-sharp, there's 
issues right now where the OpenXML SDK relies on system.io.packaging and therefore that assembly isn't supported on Windows Phone and we want to enable that scenario. And then the other area, we want to make it easier for people to do ultra high performance generation of documents. And so these are kind of the two areas of focus that we picked as a place to start on the OpenXML SDK. Cool. And I think to, um, to support all that, I know that something you've spent a lot of time on over the summer is kind of automating a test suite so that there's an automated way of merging in changes and making sure that nothing breaks as, as you start evolving it in those directions, right? Absolutely. That's the other area of focus that we have, which is we're putting together a test suite so that we can validate the OpenXML SDK going forward. And this means we, we're not going to introduce any breaking changes whatsoever into the SDK and further, or at least not intentionally, I sure hope not. <laughs> and then also as we move into mono, we want to ascertain and make sure that the functionality on mono and on a Macintosh is exactly the same as on Windows using the .NET framework. So we're, <clears throat> so we're going to be introducing a public test suite that shows how to, that includes a certain set of sample documents that will verify that the SDK functionality is what it is and doesn't change going forward. So, so right now, if I pulled down the, the or forked it, made some changes, and submitted a pull request, before you do the merge, you're running that test suite and making sure it's okay? Is that kind of the process? Absolutely. Okay. And cool. we we have people who are active and who are have some really great ideas of contributions to the SDK, and we're going to be, we're running those things through test suites really to make sure that nothing changes as far as existing applications. Yeah. And so what's that process for people making suggestions or um, wanting to submit? Like, where can they go to find out more information about how they can make suggestions or discuss with like-minded people that are kind of working this stuff day in, day out? So our repo on GitHub is at github slash office dev slash open dash XML dash SDK. And people can certainly go there and participate in the discussions and make pull requests, we're going to be following a particular approach where the main branch or the master branch on GitHub is going to be, you know, the gold, the gold copy. This is going to be the version that everybody can get and rely on. We're going to also have a development branch where we'll be putting things into that branch that we think will eventually make it into the master branch. And we're also going to have various other experimental branches that can go off in just about any direction that people want to take it. And not any direction, but a fair number of directions. And, and that these will be ways that people can submit code and try them out and other people can uh, participate in that process. Yeah, I think one of the things to kind of defend when I first started getting involved in getting the announcement kind of ready and talking to you guys about what you're doing, a lot of the feedback from the community was, oh, they're open sourcing this because they can't be bothered to look after it themselves. And, <laughs> and I just, it's totally not the attitude of why Microsoft as a whole is going open source. 
I mean, do you have any comments on that? Like, I know you probably defended this a few times. Other things you've opened. Well, and, and one thing I know we've um, talked openly about before: um, SharePoint uses the SDK. So, right. so one way to look at that is we're not going to let the SDK fall into disarray. Right, right. You know, one of our flagship products um, uses it to read and write documents. Um, so I think that right there kind of shows you that Microsoft has a, a deep business interest in making sure that the SDK stays high performance and reliable. And right, right. Otherwise, our service is going to have a problem in Office 365 yeah. pretty quickly. Also, right? the Office yeah. web apps use the SDK internally. Right, so okay. that's another... It's a it's a crucial part of other parts of Microsoft technology. Frankly, doing doing management of a project it's often much harder than doing the actual dev work. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a, we've got quite a lot on that GitHub.com uh, slash Office Dev now, and um, some of these repos are getting quite active, and so it's becoming a management task itself to keep up to date with all the pull requests coming through, which is great that we're getting that kind of engagement now. Yeah, um, and absolutely. this one I can see as being as being popular. Jeremy, if you don't mind, um, I'd like to step back a little bit to just explain what the SDK encompasses, because not all of sure. it is exactly open source. So, yeah, yeah. so the, the Open XML SDK consists of two parts. Is There's the SDK that we've been talking about all the way through until now, yeah. and then there's a thing called the productivity tool, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But the, the SDK, we open sourced just recently, it's now on GitHub. The productivity tool is a separate thing, it's a, it's a Microsoft binary, so when you when you go to uh, download SDK 2.5 from Microsoft.com, it'll say which one of these two downloads do you want. And the productivity tool um, is an interesting app in itself because it allows you to do a bit of diagnostic stuff on OpenXML documents without you actually writing any code. And the two main things it does are, you basically open it up, you open a document, and it's a standalone executable, you open a document, and it will allow you to validate that document against what Microsoft Office does, so you can right. work out whether the document you created is going to load in Office. Um, and it will also allow you, through this really cool functionality, to, sh to show what .NET code you need to write in the OpenXML SDK to generate that document. There are oh, two really? other interesting um, areas on that, too, if I can just pitch in here. Uh, one thing that the productivity tool does is it does diffs between two documents. So this is a really great way to learn about the OpenXML formats, that you can create one document, save it away, then go into that document, make a little bit of a change, and then save it, and then use the productivity tool to do a delta between those two documents, and it'll point out exactly what elements and attributes changed, and then that can enable you to go in and look at the standard itself and understand about those particular elements and attributes. And the productivity tool also enables you to kind of go in and explore the standard itself directly through the help functionality in the productivity tool that you can go to a particular element or a particular class as it's represented in the SDK and and see information about that element of class right in the productivity tool. So, so how how can these go? How can someone who's like net new to this, like myself, I will say I used um, Aspos in the past when I was at that previous customer. Um, how would someone get ramped up on this? What's the best way to like? I, we've got the links to the documentation already, but how would you get yeah. started? I think so, the short answer is openxmldeveloper.org, and Eric runs that site, and it's full of great content. Do you have a broader answer, Eric? Well, sure, in that we've got some screencast series on openxmldeveloper.org. One is a screencast series on OpenXML itself, just on this 
parts and how the parts are related to each other. And another is a fairly extensive screencast series. I think we're up to 23 screencasts on word processing ML. And this will go in and explain, you know, how do you control vertical spacing? Uh, how do you use custom XML elements? How do you use custom XML parts to put in business data directly into that document? So there's screencast series that will take people basically from, you know, from just barely, from just beginning all the way up through uh, high level competence. Cool. I'll make sure all these are in the, the show notes as well. I'm just kind of having a click through now on what's available on the OpenXML developer.org. You've got forums and stuff on there as well, so that's kind of where they can engage in the community on this stuff too, right? Absolutely. If you're a bit more of a developer like me who just wants to copy and paste some code in and hope it works, <laughs> then the productivity tool is actually amazingly good for that. Yeah, you just right. open the document yes. that your boss wants you to make, yeah, yeah. copy and paste the code straight into Visual Studio, you know, change a couple of variables, hit a five and you're off. It's like the wizard yeah. we get at a time. Right, exactly. Yeah. There, there's something Eric mentioned there that um, custom XML parts um, the, the one thing to understand about the OpenXML standard, the docx, xlxx, pptx formats, is you can put anything, any any file essentially from your hard drive, you can put into one of those documents in a way that it continues to be a conformant OpenXML document that Word, Excel, or PowerPoint will open. Yeah. And so you can put in business data that only has meaning to you. Perhaps it's in a format that your organization uses and nobody else knows about, and you can still plug in that little piece of data into the document and do creative things with it. And I'll just I'll give you an example of the kinds of um, creativity that has sprung up around that. Um, one of the people who works closely with Chris in the Standards Committee is with uh, Data Watch, and uh, they make um, they make a tool that lets you um, kind of pull in data from many different sources and um, aggregate it into an Excel spreadsheet. It does a bunch of other things, but that's the scenario where they got really clever with these custom XML parts. And so what they do is they let you take a PDF document and OCR that document, get the numbers out of it, and then take that document that you can also take an image or anything like that and get those numbers out and put them in an Excel spreadsheet. So that's very handy. So now you've got an Excel spreadsheet. You can have rules and do math on it. But suppose that you have a question about a row in that spreadsheet. Where did these numbers come from? I think it misread something. I think there was a torn piece of paper that somebody took a picture of or whatever. Let me see the original. And they've got an option with their tool where you can go in um, where it embeds those images of the rows, of the source data that that row came from, which might be a picture. Mm -hmm. And um, you can click on something in each row where you see it pops up and shows you here's the source image that that data came from. Wow. So you're in Excel looking at your document. You have their um, data watch add-in in Excel and, and you say you have a question about where the data came from and just to click away you can see the original source that was OCR to generate that data. That's so nice. that's just an example of the kind of creativity that, uh, that the custom parts thing. And I'm, can I'm enable. guessing, like with the app model, with apps for Office, like the Bing Map, if I add that into a Word document, that's essentially using that same kind of special element that might not be. I don't I know. I mean, it, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not familiar with how that one works, but it, yeah, it maybe exactly the same. Extension mechanisms in standard, right, so what right. Dog Outline is one of them. Yeah. There are a couple of other ones, but that's certainly the, the most sort of compelling, simple to understand one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so so we worked about you know how to get started. Is there any other kind of things that you think are worth pointing out as part of this the pod show? I know there was some talk around di different SDKs with different 
different platforms, uh, like kind of the OpenXML SDK for JavaScript and um, inside, you know, how we use it in browsers. What's kind of that flow there? So the OpenXML SDK for JavaScript is a JavaScript library. It was inspired to a large part by the OpenXML SDK for .NET, and but it's a fully JavaScript library. So this enables you to go put OpenXML functionality directly into a web app in your browser. And this enables something, let's say that you're actually using uh, technology server sites that are not .NET, this still enables you to put OpenXML functionality into your web app by doing it in JavaScript in the browser. And that's pretty cool. And then another thing that people are using this for is they're using it with Node.js for building server-side JavaScript applications. And, the, and this also enables them, right now, they can build OpenXML applications that run on Linux or uh, anywhere that Node.js is supported. And so that would be a nice one, like if I'm building an app for Office that's living in Outlook or Word, and maybe I'm, I don't want to do any server-side stuff, technically I could use that JavaScript library to, with a Office.js to manipulate a document. There are functions in those app APIs to enable you to grab the markup for a range of content, for instance, in a Word document. Once you grab that content, that content is in OpenXML, you can then use the OpenXML SDK for JavaScript to party on that content. You can maybe you take a table and expand it out so it has, you know, you know, 450 rows or whatever it is that you need to do in that content and then push that content right back into the document. And this happens at a uh, really good level of performance. Yeah, okay. Because I've, I've noticed like a lot of our samples that we shipped around the apps for Office, like it's simple XML strings. Yeah, that looks easy enough. But then you actually throw it in a live document and you look what XML comes back <laughs> and you're like, uh, where do I start with like doing crazy string regex? So... Being able to use that library would be really useful in that scenario for sure. This is the yeah. coolest thing that's on OpenXMLDeveloper.org, I think. <laughs> Just that on its own. <laughs> yeah, that rendering like rendering a Word document in a web page is kind of cool to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. It, it's uh, when, when the format first came along. I remember many of us thought that would be cool, and there were a lot of kind of crude demos various of us did that were that addressed one percent of the problem. <laughs> and it's nice that now Eric has uh, kind of finished that work up. Of course, it's possible that we all just think about file formats too much. Well, that could be. That's a sign you have the right job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. I, don't get me wrong. This is interesting stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> if we had a dime for every time he's heard that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I was asked to sit in specification meetings every three months, no matter where they were in the world, it wouldn't be something I'd look forward to too much. But, you know, each to their own. Each to their own. Um, so, look, we've got a ton of show notes here for different things. I'm actually going to ask these guys where some of these things are because I was kind of binging as I'm going along and then couldn't kind of keep up. So I will get to make sure all these things are in the show notes. We'll, we'll definitely get these guys back on um, once, you know, once we evolve and get some more things. I'd love to hear. Um, I mean, there's already been significant progress in that, that GitHub repo, but it'd be great to come, come revisit this in six months to, to a year and see kind of what else is going on in this space. So... I really appreciate your time today and going through that. And I know, Eric, it is some obnoxious time. Where are you based, Eric? Uh, currently, I'm actually in India right now. So it's uh, 
very early in the morning for me, but you know, it's a... That, that's how dedicated you are to the school. I didn't, I didn't realize, like, I think Doug only made a suggestion of, uh, about an hour ago. I was at a rescheduled the, uh, the recording, but I, I appreciate you getting on at some silly hour. Uh, it's my pleasure. And um, yeah, as I say, we'll, um, we'll get all these links in the show notes, and uh, a big thank you to you guys. Is there any parting comments you want to leave with people who uh, kind of listen to the show? I'm sure they're all going to start grabbing it and poking around in Word documents now. Nope, have at it. OpenXMLDeveloper.org. That's all you have to remember, I think. Great. All right, well, thanks very much, guys, and uh, we'll get you on the show again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com WACDEV where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.